You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. Final hour. Dan and the Danettes. Dan Patrick Show. Last night, our IT guy, Alan, came in. He was using the Traeger grill. He put some pulled pork on there, and he said it's going to take 12 hours. And he came back last night. I forget what time he texted me, and he said, it's done. And I said, what's done? He goes, the pulled pork. 12 hours. Now, our computers don't work, but our (laughs) IT guy did make some great pulled pork on the Traeger. We'll have that pulled pork coming up a little bit later on this hour. I was also looking at Michael Jordan and his relationship with Memorial Day weekend. He had some great Memorial Day weekends in his career. 1989, that's the Saturday before Memorial Day. He had 46 in a win over Detroit. Made the game-winning jump shot. 1990, on Saturday, he had 47. And then on Memorial Day, he had 42. Beat Detroit in both of those games. 1991, Memorial Day. Bulls finish a sweep of Detroit. Pistons walked off, no handshakes. 1993, Memorial Day. Jordan, 54 in a win over New York. 1996, Memorial Day. He has 45 as the Bulls finish a sweep of Orlando and the Eastern Conference Finals. We bring in Sam Smith. Sam, of course, wrote the Jordan rules about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And it's uh, hopefully got a spike in uh, new book sales there, Sam, because Jordan talked about it in uh, The Last Dance, and he singled out Horace Grant, one of his former teammates, as a snitch. Your reaction when you heard Jordan talk about that is Horace Grant as your snitch was what, Sam? Yeah, I think we were uh, talking about it with Todd the other day. Um, uh, not to... Not not to celebrate myself, but that's what we do on TV, right? But I, you know, I had about a dozen years as investigative reporting and doing a number of things uh, involved. Uh, new Phil Jackson from the CBA, spending time with him. Johnny Bach, um, you know, from the early years uh, when he was coaching the Warriors, from Brooklyn, so it was a longtime friend. Tex Winter, I used to sit with on the plane for years. Uh, in fact, one time he brought me, I, I was trying to understand the offense, so he brought me the book, his original triple post offense book that he had signed for his mother. And I said, well, Tex, I can't have your book you signed for your mother. He said, well, she died. She doesn't need it. And so, <laughs> and so the notion was, well, I had to wait after all this till 1988, till a 21-year, 22-year-old kid from rural Georgia came along and said, now I can do a book on this subject. So, you know, I've, I've, I've sort of, you know, kind of laughed at it after all those years about, the, you know, trying to explain. When Michael says something, hey, people say, well, Michael said it. You know, I'm going to be wrong. But I know you're not going to give up your sources, but it was, was Michael correct at all in Horace Grant being a – now, you would call it a source. Michael called it a snitch. Well, you know, doing doing that kind of I mean, you're in journalism, so, you know, doing that kind of project, everybody's the source. You yeah. know, Phil Jackson, Johnny Bach, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, Jerry Krause, even I I had dinner on the road a couple of times, as frightening as that might sound with <laughs> Jerry Krause. When we were in Portland, uh, one time I was hanging around in the uh, I think it was that season, actually. In the, in the lobby, Jerry came down to change his room seven times, which he, normally, he did quite a bit. He didn't like the mattress. He always had some issue. He said, hey, let's go have dinner. And I couldn't think fast enough. And so I ended up going. <laughs> but and, why do you think Michael singled out Horace? Well, I think because you saw this and, you know, some of the reaction after the last dance with Horace and some of the players 
you know, being upset, you know, sort of their, 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 their documentary, I'm cutting in, um, you know, Horace stood up to Michael a lot back then. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the elements of the documentary early on, uh, you know, settling grudges kind of thing. Mike, Michael takes names and remembers. So, you know, Jerry Krause, Isaiah, you know, and Horace, Horace in, in an odd way was sort of a protector for Scotty you know, early on. Scotty, really? Yeah. Scotty early on, uh, they were incredibly close. I mean, literally would call each other before every game to, to, uh, to decide what they were wearing, went out and bought the same cars, bought the same dogs. They were inseparable. And, 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 but, you know, Scotty was kind of seduced by Michael's aura and the attention with Michael, and he would gravitate over toward Michael. And then Michael, you know, when he was sort of in in, in his uh, arc there, you know, he didn't always, we've seen, he didn't always treat you with uh, perhaps the respect you'd like. So Scotty would come back to Horace and complain about, you know, what he said to me and this and sort of that. And so Horace would, you know, would stand up to Mike sometimes. And, you know, when things happen, he wasn't as articulate as quick, you know, as facile. And so it, 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 it didn't come off as cleverly. Um, but, you know, that they had a long history of that. And, and then my, and then, of course, Horace being the one when he left and went to Orlando. And when the year Michael came back in 95, it was Horace who really, you know, of course, Shaq and Penny were the best players. But what Phil had done in that series, realizing Horace not a great shooter, he doubled off Horace every time. Horace shot like 70% in the series, you know, really hits the booming baskets. And then the magic players lift him on their shoulders, carry him <laughs> off. Horace raising his hand, you know, sort of pointing at Michael. Oh. It, by the way, there was no, there was no, after the end of that series, there was no teammates going, to, I mean, players going to, congratulate the other team. Michael stalked off pretty fast after that one, too. So he remembers a lot of el- evidence when, when, I, when it, with Horace. How's this playing in Chicago? Uh, this is this has been great. You know, this has been uh, obviously with, in a lot of places in the country. It's kept us, you know, giving us something to look forward to. But, it, it, you know, for Chicago, it's been particularly special because, you know, it's not it's not a city with a great history of sports success. You know, Cubs, 100 years until a World Series, 108, as it turned out. Um, you know, and, and here was a celebration of when it wasn't New York or Boston or L.A. Chicago was the center of the sports world for a decade. And so for the local community, it's, you know, especially with the Bulls having issues in the last, uh, you know, couple of decades. Um it, it's it, you know it's been a terrific opportunity to remember and you know, sort of ch- uh, puff your chest out and say hey we were number one. Talking to Sam Smith, he wrote the Jordan Rules, uh, co-author of Derek Rose's autobiography. I'll show you, which is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. How are the book sales for the Jordan Rules? Has there been a spike uh, since the documentary? You know, it's really interesting. I'm making uh, uh, the same on that as I am for this appearance. (laughs) (laughs) The book is out of print and they haven't printed anymore. They haven't. Uh, No, they uh, it was that was sort of like uh, one of those. Oh, yeah, uh, that would be a good idea. I think I think it's probably occurring to him right now that maybe it would be a good idea. But I I went and looked on Amazon. I couldn't buy one (laughs) because people asking me They say, well, could you give me a book? I said, well, let me see if I could buy it. I couldn't buy it. Oh, wow. So uh, uh, you, you, you don't pay for appearances, do you, Dan? No, we don't. Oh, 
All right, so I'm still even with the the (laughs) publisher. (laughs) Have you thought about adding an uh, an extra chapter to the Jordan rules? Uh, Yeah, actually, just just now, you know, publishers, ever since I realized doing books, they're mostly good at just printing. They're really printers, (laughs) sort of a version of what Benjamin Franklin was doing. Um, And uh, so I think it's kind of occurred to them now. And so they just literally at the end of the documentary got back to me and said, uh, well, we're thinking of, you know, maybe printing another edition, of course, later this year. And uh, maybe you could write something for it. So, yeah. So I probably will end up doing that, but I haven't yet. Also, the whole flu game now became food poisoning. Why, after all of these years, that Michael never addressed this or clarified it until we got to the documentary? Why would he do it? Well, it wasn't food poisoning. <laughs> they made that up. <laughs> you know that there was, there was there was you know there were several things based on a true story kind of thing in this, and um, that was one of them. I mean. It, it, you know, we, I know in our society, we like to uh, believe in conspiracies a lot because they're a lot more fun and interesting than the truth. You know, sort of like Michael uh, being kicked out of the NBA, you know, and, and which they addressed quite a bit uh, because of the gambling and everything, which obviously wasn't the case. And, you know, David Stern and Brian McIntyre and Mark Vansell, any number of people commented on that. People, you know, associated but he he wasn't poisoned. <laughs> that's that's not what happened. And and I mean the, the story. If if you watched, I mean you did, and watching the documentary. I mean seriously, five people. Michael Jordan, the most protected. Nobody knows where he is. Secure person. All of a sudden, five guys from a pizza place. And, and by the way, who's ordering pizza in Salt Lake City? But beyond that, and they were in Park City. <laughs> you know, they what do you, even what do you think happened, Sam? Um, he was ill. There's no question. I think I think he had uh, something that wasn't as as manly uh, as maybe some other uh, episodes. I think I think because what they were doing, they were going up to Park City uh, in the mountains in, in the ski area uh, to stay. That's where they stayed. So they had a practice in Salt Lake City. So they kept coming in and out, in and out. And I, I think it was altitude sickness. The, the symptoms that he had fit that much more than anything else that he had. And so it, it, there was some sort of illness. And there was no question he was ill. I wouldn't deny that. He definitely was. Yeah. He was sick, but he wasn't poisoned. Yeah, but I don't understand. Why not just let this sleeping dog lie that it's the flu game? We, we've yeah. we celebrated this. I, I, I Now all of a sudden, even when he says it, Sam, in the documentary – he doesn't say it in a convincing manner that he had food poisoning. He looks away. He says it and he looks away like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta believe this. It was food poisoning. And I'm thinking (laughs) you were, you got away with this. It was the flu. Now all of a sudden it might be throwing a Cuban cigar or two, some drinks and altitude sickness. And you've got a guy who looks gray when he walks into the building that night. Well, you're right. People always have said a hangover and stuff. And to me, that was sort of irrelevant because Michael never slept, got up and played golf, you know, two, two, three hours of sleep. You know, if he drank, smoked cigars, that that was, you know, 13 years of stuff. And he still went out and got 50. So <laughs> that had nothing to do with it. Yeah, right. There was no there was no reason to. Yeah. But it was also, you know, I, it, part of it was it was, I think. The, the, the you didn't need to add drama to this documentary. It was a great show. Otherwise, the Jordan story. 
But it, it, it was like, you know, they had the beginning and, you know, the theme of 82 and 0, Jerry Krause, you're never coming back, you know, and that's it. So you got to end the documentary also in a similar way. He, 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 he didn't want to play that next year. He, he, he could have in, in any number of ways. So he sort of made that up too at the end that I wish I could have come back. I wanted to come back. He didn't want, he didn't want to come back. You know, I mean, it was a, look, there was a whole team there other than Scotty who, you know, was limited by the time at the end of the finals had to have back surgery again. You, you know, went to Houston, had a poor season, you know, ran, you know, left him there, went to Portland. He was just a role player. So they had, you know, they had Kukoc, uh, Harper, uh, Winnington, Brown. There were numbers. There was a number of team there, and they had money for free agent. And they actually added Brent Barry that season, who was a good free agent. You know, so if he wanted to stay, and Rodman, of course, was coming back for the one year. He was begging them for that one year deal. And so if he wanted the one year and the forty million, he could have gotten it. And 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 he just didn't want to play. I mean, we saw it with with Ahmad and all those scenes that hey, I've had enough. <laughs> you know, I'm out of here. You know, I got to move on. You know, so, I mean, but it was a better story to end it that way, to say, hey, you know, yeah, one more chance, going for seven. I should have done, you know, we could have done that. And No, he didn't want to do that. But, you know, the other thing, too, about that is we always complain about all these athletes, Unitas and Willie Mays and Ricky Henderson, whatever. Why did they do? Why, why didn't they just quit on top? We did. He quit on top. We, sh- we should be celebrating that. He left us wanting more, and then he came back to the Wizards. Well, we don't count that. <laughs> oh, we don't. <laughs> that wasn't in the documentary, therefore it doesn't exist. Exactly, and it shouldn't be. <laughs> well, uh, you know, that, that one was, I went, I'm going to be, I was the GM, as you remember, he's the GM of the Wizards. He had supposedly part ownership. And well, part of Michael is, look, if he, if he could, he would come back and play now because some <laughs> of these guys in the documentary challenged him and said he couldn't do it. Brian Russell didn't get interviewed, probably said I could take him now. And he would come back and play again if he could. And he would try, you know, know that, that that's who the guy is. He was always about the game more than anything. Yeah. Had the famous love of the game clause in his first contract. You know, uh, he really wasn't about the advertising and the marketing. And you saw his mom wanted to made him go out. To, you got to go see Nike. He just wanted to play. And so, you know, that's a, that's the nature of the guy. So, he couldn't help himself when he went with the Wizards because he's looking around at all these guys and, you know, he's beating them. He says, I could beat you all in practice. So he's GM and he's, he's playing them all in practice and beating them. So he says, well, I'll go out and play anyway. So, I mean, that was a, that was just a wonderful part about the guy. You just never could stop him. He just wanted to play games all the time. Sam, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. And, uh, you know, good luck with the Derek Rose book. And uh, thank you for sharing these stories. Uh, great to talk to you as usual, Dan. That's Sam Smith, the Jordan Rules, and uh, the I'll Show You uh, biography, autobiography, Derek Rose and Sam Smith, available now at uh, triumphbooks.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and through your local independent bookstores. Fascinating. Altitude sickness. Can we look at the symptoms? Like, what, what happens with altitude sickness? Paulie? Yeah, it's oxygen deprivation. Uh, nausea is very common. Th- vomiting is very common with altitude sickness, and it doesn't go away the moment you go back to natural altitude. And, Dan, we looked up Salt Lake City is 4,200 square feet. Uh, Park City, 7,000 square feet. Back to you. Oh, above sea level. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. When he says it, he had something that wasn't manly, I'm thinking, wait, what, what, what did Michael have here? Like, <laughs> I, whoa, 
Yes, Eden. So did he get altitude sickness f- flying back from Vegas? <laughs> oh, when don't that, start it. Did they just don't start it? Oh, come on. Altitude sickness now. <laughs> well, it's hilarious. People just keep throwing out things. I don't know. It's fun. I don't know. Like, okay. Something happened in Park City. Let's put it that way. Something did. Isn't that the name of a Bob Dylan song? Something, Something happened, happened in, Park in Park City. Park City. Yeah. Yeah. That could be a country song. Something happened in Park City. I got altitude sickness, but I told him it was food poisoning. Although it could have been the flu. Although I could have flown to Vegas. Maybe none of it's true. Five guys showed up. I'm workshopping this here. I'm going to figure this out here and get my country song there. Uh, let me see. A couple of phone calls in here, and then we'll take a break. Jeff in Detroit. Do you smell that pulled pork on the Traeger, Paulie? Yeah. Oh, um, man. Hi, Jeff. Uh, listen, man, why are you doing me like this? And then you know I love me Friday. <laughs> Alan segment on how to cook a steak. You know that was me the other day, for real. Hey, listen, Dan. What up, though? One time for chat row. Um Got a chance to play against C. Webb. He dunked on me, basically. Really nice guy. St. Cecilia here in Detroit, man. And his passion has always been underrated. Always been underrated. He was talking about how he liked to get his ball to, the, to his uh, people. Man, listen, that guy right there could pass. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to all the veterans that are listening. Thank you for your sacrifice, the things that you guys do in making this world, as well as the United States, a lot safer for us. Thank you, Jeff. Well said. Well said. Uh, Jesse in Los Angeles. Hey, Jesse, what do you have for me? Hey, Dan. Good morning. Dan Van Etz, uh, 5'10", still a hard 173. Uh, just wanted to say <laughs> great show today. Uh, it's an honor to go right after Jeff in Detroit. Comment and question, if that's okay. The Wright Thompson, you introduced us to him, uh, or at least me. That was a great interview. The article about Jordan's childhood and his parents, only that guy can tie the Hatfields and the McCoys to Michael Jordan <laughs> and Eric Jordan. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, question for you, and I'm sorry to do this on a meet Friday, but I'm wondering, does ESPN release a daily list for our entertainment or just to keep pissing you off? Because they released an all-time starting five of some teams, and missing from the Warriors all-time starting five is a guy who averaged 40 points in the finals in a losing series and then actually single-handedly won another final sweeping the bullets and what's unfold. I'm 33 years old, and I know who Rick Barry is. They got Draymond Green ahead of the guy. Oh, I know. It's embarrassing. Uh, thank you, Jesse. I, I didn't even address that because it was going to drive me crazy. Yeah, Paul. Again, yeah, ESPN did starting fives for each team historically, and the starting five for the Warriors, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, who spent a long time there, Draymond Green and Will Chamberlain. Wouldn't you think that, um, what's his name from St. John's? Chris Mullen? Yeah. Wouldn't he make it? Over he had a long career there, Chris Mullen. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what they're basing this off of, but to not have Rick Barry there, who almost single-handedly helped you win a title, Rick Barry put up some pretty good numbers for the Warriors. Draymond Green on any other team is just another player. You know, with the Warriors, he served a role, and at times he was brilliant in that role, but he's not carrying a team. No. Chris Mullen was, I mean, look at how many years was Chris Mullen? You know, let me take a break here because I'm going to explode again. And I, I, I'm going to inundate you with listeners. Okay. 
We'll take a break. Yes, Seton. I just Googled greatest warriors of all time, and Attila the Hun came up. Oh, okay. I'm on the wrong path. Okay. Great the low post, Attila. <laughs> no Spartacus in there? Really? Really, ESPN? We're going to take really? a break here. We're going to take a break here. I'm going to go and shoot some hoops here in the man cave, and then we'll come back and we'll politely, professionally discuss this. Back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. It is a meat Friday. Got the Traeger fired up. Pulled pork. Man, I love Fridays. Go to your local dealer, visit TraegerGrills.com slash DP show today. Paulie just uh, informed me because I said, wait, wait a minute here. You're trying to tell me the all-time Golden State Warrior team includes Will Chamberlain, who played for the Philadelphia Warriors. This is on ESPN.com. So Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Will Chamberlain. Are they... Are these the best players or the best team, according to the ESPN NBA writers? Quote, we asked our NBA writers to come up with an all-time starting five for every current NBA franchise, along with an old-time team or something. Only players' contributions during the time with that franchise were considered. That means LeBron James wouldn't be on the Lakers. And it's basically what team you'd compete with. Um but it, you can't. It has to be a team. It can't. It has to be a team like by position. You can't have four centers. No, no, or, you can. Look at the Lakers. They got Kareem and Shaq. Yeah. They got Jerry West and Kobe Bryant are shooting guards. They added some flexibility in choosing a lineup, but they won't. You won't see a team with four centers or three point guards. No, to that. no. There's two centers on here, not three. The idea was to dive into a team's history and create a group that could potentially share the floor together. It's about building a team from your... Okay, Rick Barry should be on there instead of Clay Thompson. Okay? Rick Barry should be on there instead of Draymond Green. Will Chamberlain didn't play for the Golden State Warriors. He played for the Philadelphia Warriors. They're counting that because it's the Warriors franchise, even different cities. You can put Nate Thurman in there if you want to, but not Will Chamberlain. See, I was doing well, Paulie. I almost made it. I had a half hour to go. Should I save this for Monday? No, we're not here Monday. (laughs) And don't save it for Tuesday either. The Lakers have Magic, Jerry West, Kobe Bryant, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Shaquille O'Neal. So that right there, their logic is flawed or the criteria is flawed. I got two shooting guards and I've got two centers for the Lakers. The Rockets have James Harden, Calvin Murphy, Tracy McGrady, Rudy Tomjanovich, Hakeem Olajuwon. I'm fine with that. I'm sure there's somebody who's left out. You know, the one that bothers me the most is the great starting five for the history of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Ricky Rubio is on the all-time starting five. What did he do? Wow. He, he was an average to below average player. Chris Mannix has to be thrilled. No that, offense. Yeah. <laughs> no offense. No <laughs> offense taken. Uh, Bob in Seattle joins us. Hey, Bob, what do you have for me? Morning, fellas. Morning. Six foot, 175. Right knee microfracture surgery survivor as well. Ooh, okay. Here in here in Seattle, we climb a lot of mountains, and I personally have been up to twenty four thousand feet. And mountain sickness is no joke. Just want to bring that to light. That is very debilitating. All right. Yeah, I, I believe it. 
But, you know, let's be honest here. Jordan just drove to Park City. He didn't climb a mountain. <laughs> He's in a suite. Would it, okay, would it be bad for his brand if Air Jordan got air sickness, air altitude sickness? Yeah, Paul. In all seriousness, Sam Smith says he thinks it's alcohol, uh, um, altitude, um, a little slip there. Uh, if back in the day it was it was announced that Jordan almost couldn't play play in a game because he stayed at a different hotel than the rest of the team, and the team doctor said, "Hey, you shouldn't be staying at a high altitude." That could be something that would be frowned upon, if that were the reason. But blaming a pizza is. But uh, but you went. We were we were fine with the flu. Nobody was questioning the flu. It's like Michael wanted to add another element, like degree of difficulty here. Yeah, you know, you probably thought I had the flu. I was actually almost poisoned. Yes, he. I might be mistaken. My memory might be failing me, but I thought one of the biggest conspiracies of Michael Jordan's career was, did he have the flu or was he out all night partying? Yeah. So I don't really know that we did move on from like, what, everybody accepted the flu game. Could you imagine if he ignored the flu game in this documentary? We would be killing him. Yeah, but he, he could have just, how, uh, he didn't have to say over the food poisoning. Game. Maybe that's what he thinks it was. Uh, but if that's the case, then why did you wait 22 years to correct that? He's been interviewed before, and now he's going to correct it? Nah, I don't know. I'm guessing he had some cigars, he had some beverages, and maybe he had altitude sickness. Maybe. He had something. I know that. I was just surprised that Jordan added something to that and went, you know what I had? Food poisoning. And then all of a sudden, you're going, wait, what? And now we're tracking down the Pizza Hut assistant manager to find out if it's true? And who are these five guys who went to his, uh, his uh, room? Okay, we're going to find out about this. I don't know. It just... It... I enjoyed the documentary. It was based on a true story. Let's put it that way. As Sam Smith pointed out, it's a, it's a nice documentary based on a true story. Yes, McLovin. Okay, is this is this going to put a bow on the flu game? Are we done? You no, think, or like... no, no, no. No, because we did, I think. Now, you can say, was he out? Yeah, maybe he did have the flu. He was sick, but now it's food poisoning, and now you're finding out, was it really food poisoning? I don't know. It just opened it up where more people are going to talk about this. And why would Jordan not tell the truth? I don't know. Why would he say food poisoning? He had it. He was good with the flu. We were fine with it. It was known as the flu game. We didn't say that the hungover game. It was called the flu game. Yes, Eaton O'Connor. It seems like unless Michael Jordan said, okay, fine. All right. I was out partying all night and I was super hungover. And that's why I had the flu. It wasn't really the flu. I was like massively hungover. That's probably the only story that people would accept. No, we because would accept altitude sickness. No, nobody would be saying today, like, wait a minute. I know Jordan said he was out all night partying. I think that's a cover for altitude sickness. <laughs> I a think a single person alive would say that. I think if he said, look, I, I thought I had the flu, but I was told later I had altitude sickness. Who's going to argue with that? Because then it, it's, he's saying something like, man, I'm, I'm vulnerable here. Not, hey, I was partying. And I didn't care. You know, I was up all night. It's got to be somebody else's fault. Somebody didn't, you know, they didn't make a pizza correctly, and I got sick because of it. If he said altitude sickness, I think it would have looked bad for a guy named Air Jordan that he got altitude sickness. That's all. 
the Jordan illness. Maybe maybe he had too many of those Cuban cigars. I've had Cuban cigars where my head's spinning, where you turn green. I've seen people throw up with Cuban cigars. But Mike smoked a lot. He smoked on game day. Yeah, McLovin. Maybe you could do a supplementary line of clothes. Thin Air Jordan. Thin Air. Got it. Thin air. Yeah. Got it. Thank you, Todd. Um, you know what you just did, McLovin? You opened the door for Fritzy. Oh, Here we go. What do you got, Todd? I was just thinking about like bad attitude, bad altitude, something along. No, that's not good. Not good. No, we're workshopping it though. It's like like, some time. My country song about Jordan. All right, uh, some phone calls here. Uh, Drew in Texas. Hi, Drew. What do you have for me? Hey, how's everybody doing today? Great, Drew. Yeah, I'm just going to throw in there that. At a high altitude, alcohol doesn't really mix in your system. Yeah, I think everybody knows that, but I'm just going to key on that. I think that's what it was. If you've, if you've ever experienced that, it's definitely debilitating. Yeah, I've never had altitude sickness. At least I, I don't think. I've been in Park City, but I, I don't. I remember walking a lot in Park City, and you have to get used to it. Like there's, there's a shortness of breath there, and you don't realize it at the time, but you're like, Wow, I'm laboring here. I don't know if going back and forth from Salt Lake to Park City, if that would have... I don't know how you you contract altitude sickness. I don't know what, what you are doing that will bring it on or increase the chances of you getting it. Scott in Montana joins us. Hi, Scott. Hey, hey Dan, six foot, 195. And yeah, I was living down in Salt Lake uh, during those two years, and you know, you really got to be doing something physically exhausting to get altitude sickness in combination with dehydration. So I just got to believe that you know, with Mike and Gatorade, if it gets out that he's got altitude sickness, man, that looks bad on Gatorade. So I, I would add plausible acceptance to the whole altitude th- sickness thing and i gotta correct Polly. he said that salt lake's at four thousand square feet it's at four thousand feet of elevation square feet yeah yeah he, he kind of kind of shortchanged you on how big salt lake city was he was on a roll yeah. i was gonna let him go it's rolling. a friday last hour densely populated four thousand <laughs> square feet though <laughs> lovely city oh tilly in bloomington joins us hi tilly what do you have for me Hey, Dan. First Hi, off, uh, hey, you guys have a good weekend, man. Good holiday weekend. Um, if possible, with the unfortunate passing of Jerry Sloan this morning, I had some Jerry Sloan stat of the day info with a uh, hat tip to my guy, Jake Query in Indianapolis, who put it out on Twitter. So if it's possible, could I get a little hate breed for this one? Oh, okay. Stat of the day. Here's Tilly in Bloomington. And here's... Jerry won 60% of his games over 25-plus years, was one of two men with 1,000 wins with one franchise, was the fifth NBA coach with 1,000 wins, was the longest-tenured coach with one NBA team and 15 straight playoff seasons, and never won Coach of the Year. Thank you, Chelly. More phone calls coming up. Get ready to close up shop. If you're watching on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show, 
once I turn off my microphone here and we go to commercial break on radio, you can watch Paulie and myself walk out to the Traeger Grill and sample that pulled pork that has been cooking for 12 hours. I think it's going to be good, Paulie. What do you think? We, you and I have been fasting for three hours, so we're ready. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. Last call for phone calls. We'll close up shop. Fritzy's got his scoreboard competition. I don't have a winner yet. So we'll... <laughs> I don't know if there are any winners in this contest. I think we're all <laughs> losers in this. That's the way to tell it. Thanks. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll come back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR, or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Close up shop on this Memorial Day weekend, and as I said in the first hour, if you see a member of the military, past or present, please acknowledge them this weekend, and not just this weekend. Well, Fritzy has pitched another shutout. No winner on his scoreboard contest. The numbers were 11 and 17. Todd? I thought this was gettable. All right. The okay, the clue for 11 is I miss you, Tommy. Okay. Who would be missing Tommy these days? That would be Julian Edelman's birthday today. Born on this day, May 22nd, 1986, jersey number 11. 17, a little trickier, but still gettable. Wait till they get a load of me is the clue. 17 load. Get Wait up. till they get a load of me. It, so. Is it W-E-I-G-H-T, wait, or is it W-A-I-T? It has to do with the uh, something that Jack Nicholson said in the movie, the character he played, when he said, wait till they get a load of me. Was that the yeah. Joker came out on this day? Yes, well, Jack Nicholson played the Joker, who's known as the Joker in sports. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Novak Djokovic. Wow. May 22nd, 1987, Novak Djokovic is born on this day, and how many Grand Slam titles does he have? 17. 17. It took quite a little extra thought, but I still think it was gettable. Thank you, Todd. You got it. Thank you. Have a good weekend. You too. All right. A couple of phone calls here. This day in sports history, Paulie. What do you have for me? Dan, while still whilst Walsh. still in high school, 2003, LeBron James signs a $90 million endorsement deal with Nike. Mm. He was just graduating high school. <laughs> I don't know how I could top that. 1975, Joe Namath passed on a $4 million offer to play with Chicago in the WFL. Hmm. I did not know that. I did not know that either. That's it. In the words of Chris Myers, that is something I did not know. Man, this pulled pork is good. But we just had a uh, question. It wasn't a debate or anything. It wasn't controversial. There's coleslaw on the pulled pork. And I said to Paulie, I'm not a coleslaw guy. I like pickles on the pulled pork. And Paulie is a coleslaw guy. Uh, let me ask the Danettes who aren't here. Uh, Seton, I'll start with you. When you have pulled pork, do you like having coleslaw or pickles? Well, I th- it kind of depends on the mood. I'm, I'm sort of an all of the above, but usually never at the same time. Sometimes I just like the pulled pork. Sometimes I'll throw some pickles on there. Sometimes it'll be coleslaw. So I'm, I'm sort of all of the above. Okay. I guess that's a non-answer, but I like them all. And I'm used to that from Todd. Todd? I would grab coleslaw a lot faster than I'd grab pickles for pulled pork. Man, I don't know what's happened here, but I've become <laughs> obsessed with pickles. Like all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I miss a pickle. Uh, McLovin. Man, anything sounds good right now mm. as I go off to eat my tuna fish sandwich while you guys are eating pulled pork. It's a cruel question. I'll take anything. Yeah, it is pretty good. Yeah, Paul. I did a little research. Most, uh, especially in the South, barbecue places, 
uh, coleslaw and pulled pork is very common, but they'll let you know so it's your choice. Mm. They rarely will put it on without alerting the customer. Mm. It's a big debate. Okay. A couple of phone calls. Uh, Alex in Utah. Hi, Alex. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing on this nice meat Friday? We're doing great. We're doing great. Awesome. First time, long time, 5'11", and a blue collar 160. All right. So I had a question. Um, with all the talk about the 90s and the Jordan uh, Jordan era, being a hometown boy from Utah, Carl Malone has been one of my sports idols forever. He's unquestionable Hall of Famer before his career ended, 14-time All-Star, 14-time All-Team NBA and in my opinion, probably one of the most underrated and overlooked players because he played in the Jordan era. I was wondering what your thoughts were on either him being the most, the biggest casualty of playing in the Jordan era, or who you thought was the biggest casualty of playing in the Jordan era. I, w- as- I would say Patrick Ewing, because Ewing lost a national title to Jordan. You know, start there. It was Georgetown losing to Michael Jordan in North Carolina. And then after that... You know, even when we thought the Knicks had a better team, uh, Jordan somehow was able to beat them. Reggie Miller would be up there. Cleveland Cavaliers are up there. Charles Barkley is in the mix. But yeah, Malone is there because he went to two finals and lost to uh, to Jordan. And he won the MVP that year, uh, that last year, 1998. And, and he deserved it. I know Michael said, oh, you're going to give it to uh, Carl? All right, well, let's see if he can win a title. You know, same thing with Charles. Those guys won MVPs in years where they went to the finals and Jordan used that as extra motivation against them. Kyle in Pennsylvania joins us. Hi, Kyle. What do you have for me? Hi, Dan. Uh, A gorilla strength, six foot, 233. Uh, A lot of talk over the past couple weeks since the uh, documentaries come out about Jordan has been, you know, him smoking cigars, him drinking, all this stuff. So with the new athletes nowadays, and especially, uh, you know, as done by Tom Brady or uh, Tampa Tom, um, how he takes care of his body, you know, the whole thing, do you think he could have played longer or played better uh, if he, had he not, I guess, smoked cigars and drank so much? I think it's a reasonable question to ask. We just see the finished product of winning six titles. I, I don't if 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 he's four and two in the NBA finals, we are questioning his off the court dedication to the sport. Oh, he drinks, he gambles, he smokes cigars, he plays golf all the time. He's six and zero, oh, and people don't question that. I don't know if it it felt like Michael. That's who he was, and he he was going to be the best player on the floor no matter what. I mean, he was the best player on the floor, and he was staying up all night. Or he was playing golf every morning. He would play 36 sometimes the day of a game. It's just he didn't sleep a lot. That's just who he was. But I don't know how much greater he would have been if he wasn't smoking cigars and drinking. Because I don't know how much he drank. I know that he smoked cigars. But I, don't, I never heard anything about Michael, you know, as far as being a big drinker. Uh, ben in Indiana. Hi, Ben. What do you have for me? Hey, Dan, first time, long time, 6'1", hard, 185. Yeah, sorry if I'm asking a question that's already been addressed, but why was Michael staying at a different hotel 
than the rest of the team. Uh, and especially, you know, 30, 35 minutes away um, from the rest of the team. He's one of the first athletes I remember doing that. Now, Cal Ripken did it, but Ripken told me that he stayed at a different hotel because he knew that would take a little bit of the pressure off his teammates with signing autographs. Because if you if you found Ripken, he was going to sign your autographs, but he said that he stayed in a separate hotel so his teammates wouldn't be inundated. That the people who wanted an autograph wanted Cal's autograph, they would try to find out where he was staying. Michael was staying 35 minutes outside of Salt Lake. And it's probably, you know, for survival, a necessity for Jordan. He had to be away. He had to get away from this. Because if you saw the traveling circus that followed him and downtown Salt Lake, those are tight quarters there. Finding out where somebody is and then trying to get in there or somebody's going to pull the fire alarm or, you know, things that happened when the Lakers played the Celtics. You know, you're, people are going to try to find you for whatever reason. And I think Mike needed to get away. He would take usually the top floor, take the penthouse suite. And that allowed him, he could decompress with his, with his friends. And the guys who were his bodyguards, Ahmad Rashad, Quinn Buckner, these were the guys who were always around Mike. That was his inner circle. Go around the room on what we learned on this program. Todd, I'll start with you. Chris Webber, surprised to see Michael Jordan smoking a cigar right before a playoff game against him. Chris Webber, if you didn't hear the interview, he's, he's wonderful. He's one of our favorite guests. He really is great. He, he just tells stories. McLovin. Uh, we've heard the story before, but C-Web kind of sold out Calbert Chaney in his <laughs> story about Jordan. <laughs> okay, yeah. Seton O'Connor. Chris Webber's only superstition is not to have any superstitions. Which is a superstition. Paulie? Chris Webber's barn looks like a mix of the uh, Hoosiers gym and the... Uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse at Butler. Beautiful. No matter what happens to you, want to make sure your loved ones are taken care of. That's why LegalZoom has made it easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today. The right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. My thanks to the Dan Ents, but more importantly, the guys behind the scenes as well. Have a safe weekend.